Welcome to The Struggle is Real, a podcast by Family Bridges for modern parenting. Check out this week's episode. How do I feel? How do I feel? Precisely. I haven't been able to go to the bathroom in six days, John. How do you think I feel? You want to trade lunches again? Maybe. What do you got? Let's see. I have a box of unbleached wheat flour. Nice. No soda at the dinner table. Listen to your mother. What? Why? Because the point of eating together is to keep from eating all that fake crapola. The Struggle is Real podcast starts in 3, 2, 1. Welcome, everyone, to The Struggle is Real, a podcast by Family Bridges. I'm Veronica Avila, along with Mr. Omar Ramos. How are you, Omar? I am doing just fine this morning. Ladies and gents, welcome once again to The Struggle is Real. Today's topic is cooking up nutrition for the whole family. That's Mm. very important, very, very important if you want your family to grow up strong and fit and all that good stuff. But in today's episode, we will learn ways to live a healthier life. But before we dive into it, let's welcome our resident expert, Dr. Alicia Leos, clinical psychologist, CEO of Family Bridges, and of course, author of The Struggle is Real. Doctor, welcome once again. I'm looking forward to the health podcast today. Right on. Ready to jot down some tips, right? Yep. yep. We also uh, want to welcome Jill Castle, who's joining us all the way from Connecticut. Jill Castle is a registered dietitian nutritionist, and she's also a childhood nutrition expert with over 25 years of experience. Welcome, Jill. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. We are ready to learn. We are ready to take down notes. I don't know if you have recipes, but I'm ready for that, too. Thank you so much for joining us. I could us. probably pull a few out of my head. <laughs> well, we're on standby. We're on standby. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, throw the icebreaker out there. I'm going to ask a question for everyone. So what's that one thing that you do to keep your family healthy, Veronica? Well, I try to keep them active. At least one activity where they can run nice. or, or jump or something so they can burn off energy. Mm-hmm. Well, they'll probably generate more energy, but um, <laughs> just, just keep them You're um, going to wire them active. up like that? Yeah, you have to. I don't know. Yeah. That's one thing. And drink water. You, doctor? I know my husband's really big into delaying all the sweets, you know, just kind of limiting it, Mm -hmm. if you will. Then they get full of it, and then they don't want to eat the food. So... Well, my family is uh, very limited. It's just my daughter and I. (laughs) However, over the years, and and this is funny because I learned this from an ex-girlfriend. She became a nutritionist herself, and she's also involved in meal prepping. So she kind of influenced me to do the same thing, and I've kind of influenced my daughter to do the same thing. And it's funny because she's only 11 years old, but she likes to cook her food ahead of time, Mm -hmm. like two days in advance. And obviously, we select healthy items for her to eat and all that good stuff, and it's helped her drop weight at 11 years old, which I don't know. I know it sounds a little awkward, but the thing is that she's already like into fitness and stuff at this very young age. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Wow, are, are we doing good, Jill? I yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I started. Good. I started to break a sweat. I was like, oh my goodness, Jill is listening to this. No, it's fun to hear everybody's got a different angle that they're focusing on. I know I have four of my own kids, and I'm always trying to just make sure I make a balanced meal. So to me, that means a source of protein, a good source of fruit, a good source of veggies some grains and some sort of dairy item, mm-hmm. be it, you know, real cow's dairy or an alternative so that they get all the nutrients and, and they have like a, a healthy balanced plate. Nice. I also hear um, that it should be very colorful, but you can tell us more about that in, in a little bit. One in five kids between the ages of six and 19 has obesity here in the U.S. That's, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a high number. One in five. So hopefully today we're going to learn some ways on how to reduce that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why don't we go into our first skit? Our first skit is called, What Could Go Wrong? 
Thank you. Thank you. Please. Please, all of this would not be possible without you, the shareholders who have funded our laboratories, the board members who have defended our research, the health enthusiasts who believe, as I do, that the perfect diet is attainable. Can you bring out our first test subject, 27N-4? How do you feel today, 27N-4? Bad. Oh, but... Why, 27N-4? You've lost five pounds this week. What do you have to feel bad about? I don't know. I'm tired. How do you feel about the food we serve you? It's... I mean, compared to what you used to eat, that is. Good. Well, I'm, I'm glad. Thank you, 27N-4. Goodbye. As you can tell, everyone, 27N-4 is slow. Good... Bye. But but more than that, he's depressed as a result of the low-carb diet we've assigned him. Yes, that's right. While cutting out carbs may help you shed a few pounds, over time it depletes your energy and enthusiasm. Thusly, we can conclude that the perfect diet does contain carbs. <laughs> Would you bring out test subject 3A17, please? 3A17. How do you feel? How do I feel? How do I feel? Precisely. I haven't been able to go to the bathroom in six days, John. How do you think I feel? Mm, any other symptoms you'd care to report? I'd like to report you, you crazy old... You crazy old... Oh, do you see that, ladies and gentlemen? She's vomited! <laughs> Thank you, 3A17. As you can all no doubt tell, 3A17 is irritable, constipated, nauseous. This is all because of her prolonged juice cleanse. Yes, 3A17 has only had juice for the past month. We can conclude, thusly, that our perfect diet contains food. <laughs> this brings me to our third test subject, Frankenstein's lobster. <laughs> Don't worry, he's not really a lobster. He's a genetically engineered super human who spent his entire life inside our lab. The engineers just call him lobster because we keep him on a daily fish diet, you know, for the omega-3 polyunsaturated fatty acids. They help fight depression. But don't just take my word for it. How do you feel, Frankenstein's lobster? <laughs> I feel amazing, Huma. Amazing! And why is that, do you think? Could it be the combination of low-fat dairy products, nuts, garlic, and whole grains we're serving you six times a day? <laughs> no, stupid human. I feel amazing because I am about to crush you all and finally escape this prison you call a science lab. He certainly looks confident, doesn't he, folks? That's due to the high level of serotonin this diet releases in his brain. But don't worry. We have him caged for a reason. Those bars are reinforced steel. Frankenstein's lobster would need super strength in order to bend them. My name is Leslie! <laughs> I am free. Now I will have my revenge. Super strength. He has super strength. Don't run, everyone. Don't you see what this means? Don't you see? I've found it. The perfect diet. It's the perfect diet. Carbs for everyone.
Okay, so we're back, and wow, that was quite the skit. By far one of the most unique that I've listened to doing this uh, podcast, The Struggle is Real. <laughs> wow. So we had an experiment to find the perfect diet. We saw the results of a low-carb diet juicing and then what seemed to be a balanced diet. Jill, yes. what is the perfect diet? Please explain. Oh, I love this question. I love this question because there is no perfect diet. What? However, there is a... Huh diet that is healthy and balanced. And for kids, I think I indicated before, lots of fruits and vegetables, which have carbs, mm -hmm. lots of whole grains, which also have carbs, uh, great protein sources, could be things like meat or fish or nuts or beans, could also be dairy products like cheese, yogurt or milk, healthy fats. And I even think a healthy diet has a little bit of yummy treats in it as mm. well. Yay! So it's Yay. all about the balance. Please say it's good to have some dark chocolate. <laughs> yes. So it's all about the balance. It's when the balance is good. And I think for kids, it's 90% all those healthy growing foods mm -hmm. without leaving any, any major nutrients out. And about 10% those yummy treats and sweets that can happen during the day, especially if you have all those other good, healthy foods in your diet. Awesome. Awesome. So you can have everything. You can have a little bit of everything. It's just got to be balanced. Exactly. And I think, you know, the perfect diet, pursuing the perfect diet is so highly individualized. Mm -hmm. It can be a journey to figure out what the perfect diet for you is. And, you know, when we're raising kids, we do have great guidelines for what that healthy diet looks like. Mm -hmm. You know, children require 40 different nutrients every single day. And so they really do need to have a wide variety of foods from all the different food groups so that they get everything they need to grow well. We're talking about growing well as far as physical. Dr. Laos, we heard in the skits the different moods that these people had because they went to extremes. So we had the one that was really exhausted and then we had the other one that was really cranky and the other one that was super energized. What can you say to people who decide to go on extreme diets? How can their mental and emotional wellness be affected? I listened to that and I was thinking of people who have hangry, you know, they get hangry yeah. because of the hunger. <laughs> you know, they don't have their food at mm -hmm. noon, you know, or whatever time frame, they just lose it. I do. I think food does impact mood and, and I think being able to have a habit of healthy eating. I've seen it in clinical work where people who have had deficiency mm -hmm. in certain vitamins. I remember being in the clinic and they had this vitamin supplement that was in the kind of like in the store of the clinic. And one of the ladies, when we did the whole assessment um, that came in, their diet was basically was hamburgers for mm. like years. Oh, my goodness. And mm. literally just having the supplement of vitamins made her change. And we were like, well, yeah, if your diet is hamburgers, you wow. know, that's going to make an impact. But obviously you don't want to just be relying on vitamins. You want to be able to actually have a healthy diet that would provide those nutrients. Um, and in this example, it was very extreme, but definitely we saw it in the skid and, and in this example that I just talked about, that it's pretty important to be able to, you know, have the greens that give us the different energy that we need in order to, to we've even seen studies of drinking water mm -hmm. that, you know, lack of water creates exhaustion. And when you feel fatigued and you, you know, doesn't matter how much coffee you drink, but you start drinking water and that really picks you up. Yeah. 
being dehydrated makes you exhausted. So definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. Jill, Dr. Laos just mentioned water, and I've heard the colorful diets, making sure that your kids' plates are colorful. Can you tell mm-hmm. us more about that? Yeah. So the more color on your plate, we know that's aligned with more nutrition in your child's diet. So color comes from fruits and vegetables mostly. You can Mm -hmm. find it in other foods too. But when you think about fruits and vegetables, that's inherently where most of the vitamins and minerals are located from our diet and where most of the color is. So that's why I love to have families add a fruit or a vegetable to every single meal. Mm Because when you think about how many children need across the course of a day, it's about five servings, which is five cups of fruits and vegetables combined per day. And the only way you can really make that happen is to make them show up at breakfast, at lunch, at dinner, and if you can, at snack time as well. Mm -hmm. And fruits and vegetables are very filling because they have fiber. I know one of the stories was the cleanse diet when, or the juicing diet where there's absolutely no fiber in the diet. Well, fiber makes all that food that we eat move through our body and come out the other end. And Mm -hmm. so fruits and vegetables provide a lot of fiber also so they can really help children be regular with their bowel movements and be well nourished at the same time. Well there you go and that's why the lady in the skit had six days of (laughs) painful I know. Let's not go into (laughs) She was was well hydrated she just didn't have any At the end of the day right? Substance. Jill, I'm going to go ahead and ask you this as as well. Now, we started off this podcast asking how we, what measures or what steps that we take to make our families' eating habits as healthy as possible. But do parents, I mean, parents have the responsibility at the end of the day of modeling healthy eating habits for their kids. Mm -hmm. What can you recommend to a family that is used to eating not so healthy diet? Because it seems like nowadays there are some parents, not everyone, but there are some parents that just want to kind of get that quick fix and mm-hmm. they take their kids to certain fast food restaurants yeah. and they're, at least my kid ate, but they're eating the wrong stuff. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, what small changes can they gradually make? Yeah, that's the key word right there, small changes and gradual. But I really believe if you can get your children to a table where you sit with them a couple of times a week, that is tremendously powerful on several levels. Number one, and I just want to preface, it doesn't have to be dinner. You can gather together Saturday morning for breakfast. You can have lunch on Sundays around a table or even at the kitchen counter. And some families even sit on their living room floor together and just have a picnic if they don't have a table. The idea is to actually sit with your family, sit with your kids and have a meal together. And it doesn't have to be a fancy meal. It could literally be breakfast for dinner. It could be peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, some sliced up fruit, some raw carrots and a glass of milk. It does not have to be a fancy meal, but the actual getting around a table and sitting together has such a powerful influence on the connectivity of the family. So the social emotional development of the child. So Mm -hmm. a child gets very nourished by just relating to family members and having conversation. Mm -hmm. And it's not really about the food in terms of those benefits. The other thing is that Families oftentimes are not getting together, and then the children aren't having the chance to learn their manners, to learn how to communicate in groups. They're not getting that role model figure that you mentioned before, just in terms of how do you pass food? How do you serve yourself? How do you ask for something politely and thank Mm -hmm. your companions at the meal table for the food that is there? So pulling your family together, research says at least three to five times a week. If you can do that, and if you think about it, there's 
21 meals a week. If you can do it three to five times a week, we know that families do tend to eat healthier when they do that. They tend to have children who are less risky in their behaviors, particularly teenagers, if you can get your teenagers around the table. And you can set that tone for eating a healthy diet and showing your child what it means to eat a healthy diet. You also can encourage your child to be adventurous with new foods and try new foods at that table. So there's a lot of benefits from just grabbing your kids and having them come together with you for a meal three to five times a week. really like what Jill is sharing. And I think what I would add to that is one of the things I know that's worked really well with my kids trying new foods Mm -hmm. is having them prep some of the food with you. Yeah, involving them. As long as it's okay, you know, depending on their age and maybe not having a sharp knife to cut, you know, but then they are more willing to try it because they saw it being made. At least that's been my experience. And they take pride in in Mm -hmm. whatever they they just prepared. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Awesome advice. Thank you very much. Let's go into our next scenario. Yes, this is uh, (laughs) now you guys ready for this? Bring it on. Warning. Yeah. May contain food. Hmm. Hey, Johnny, over here. Hey, Matt, you saved me a spot? Of course. You want to trade lunches again? Maybe. What do you got? Let's see. I have a box of unbleached wheat flour. Nice. High fructose corn syrup. Okay. And yellow dye number six. Number six? It's what the box says. That sounds amazing. Can I trade you for this tube of potassium sorbate? Maybe. What else you got? GMO modified cornstarch? Mmm. I could really go for some of that. Carrageenan? That only causes health problems in animals. And to top it all off, 64 grams of sugar. That's two-thirds my daily recommended amount. Wait, it's refined sugar, right? Not the pure kind? No way, man. It's the good stuff. Genetically modified all the way. Who do you think you're talking to? I know, I know. I'm sorry. Say, is that partially hydrogenated vegetable oil? Sure is. This is my favorite kind of trans fat. Mine too. Because it's the best. But I don't think I want to trade it. Not even for some cheese product? Maybe. You got any MSG in there? Check this out. Oh, man, that looks so good. You got sorbic acid, too? Uh, Okay, okay, deal. Pleasure doing business with you. Yikes. (laughs) My goodness. Can someone say junk food? Wow. That was Matt and Johnny, two 10-year-olds making a lunch trade off their junk and processed food. How much junk food are we giving our kids nowadays, Jill? Mm. Well, we do rely on convenience quite a bit, Mm -hmm. and it depends on the age group, but we are probably giving or allowing our children to have far too many sweets and uh, junky foods. But I have to say, when I listen to that skit, it makes me so sad that the kids are paying attention to all the ingredients. Food is food. You know, we're not nourishing our bodies with lists and lists of ingredients. And I think that that's where sometimes we as adults can get hung up on food Mm -hmm. and their properties. And then our kids get hung up on, on them too. And for me, I just want children to just be able to enjoy all foods. And I want parents to be able to know how to balance the foods in their children's diet so that the lion's share is wholesome, nutritious foods. And there, there's pleasure in all eating and not this fear of 
all the different ingredients that are in food. Oh, my goodness. You, you're saying that. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm already feeling guilty. <laughs> <laughs> because I think I, I may be one of the parents when, you know, sometimes <laughs> there's not a lot of time. You just cook something really fast and just give it to them and you don't even make sure that it's that healthy. Or I find myself reading labels. And just mm-hmm. like you said, Jill, that's what they're going to be doing. And I don't know if that's counterproductive. Probably they're not enjoying mm-hmm. their food so much. Now, I do have a six year old. This just happened to me yesterday. Halloween, we still have candy well, from Halloween. They collect a lot. Yes. yes. And I, I had to bring it to work. It was too know, much. You know what? Yes. I remember I put this basket all the way up in my pantry. I don't know how or why. Yesterday, they went off to an activity, so I stayed home. I kind of learned why my son was so quiet. Right behind the Christmas tree, I found the basket and a bunch of candy, just like the wrappers, inside the basket. So he ate the candy. He's a ninja, man. Oh, my goodness. How do we avoid? I mean, obviously, I know I have to go home and throw away all these candies because I don't know what I'm going to do. He keeps doing this and it's not good for his teeth. What can you recommend to parents like me? who are inadvertently handing off these candy to the kids. you know, lots of parents find the whole Halloween, holiday, lots of sugar, lots of sweets, time very difficult. And I always have been a proponent of having an exit strategy. So I love for kids to enjoy Halloween. I want them to trick-or-treat and get bags full of candy and all that good stuff. And then I want families to come home and sort the candy and Mm -hmm. give away the stuff they don't really love. And of the stuff that they have remaining that they do love, enjoy it for a few days maybe a week, and then have an exit strategy. Mm -hmm. Does it go in the freezer and then disappear? Does it get given away? But (laughs) you need to have an exit strategy. (laughs) Well, thank you. That's what I'm going to do going home. There's freedom in the exit strategy. (laughs) We do not have to be enslaved. Let it go. Let it go. (laughs) Bring it into the studio. (laughs) I'd like to know how important it is to create a balance and not go overboard with becoming obsessed with healthy eating, reading labels uh, that can be counterproductive to kids, like developing an eating disorder. Yeah. yeah. I think when we get so strict into that, the constraints of it right. do create some of that. You know, there was this great book I read a long time ago. It was Raising Up Bebe. And it was really fun. And it was about this author. And she was American. And she went to Europe to, and then learned about the different parenting strategies. But one of the things that stuck was the whole eating and how eating was just something very much embraced in the culture. Mm-hmm. And how there's just a love of food, but that everything is obviously in modesty and things Mm -hmm. like that. But one of the tips was that the vegetable platter would be offered prior to the entree, like cut up the cucumbers and make the cucumbers be amazing Mm -hmm. first. And then they, you know, and then from early on as toddlers that these kids would learn how to just love food. And then they spend all this time even in the weekend and prepping and just loving food and then even dessert as well Mm -hmm. and how decadent dessert, but everything in modesty. So I don't know, that stuck to me as I think our culture does create this kind of script of shame towards food. Like Mm -hmm. I eat too much of it, then it's terrible Mm -hmm. and then withhold and restrain and you have like this love-hate relationship with food. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Especially if you, I don't know, the Latino community, we have a lot of delicious food that is 
not so healthy. Yeah. What do we do there? Well, what do we do? Get small plates. Yeah, I know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One tamal. <laughs> one tamalito, say, not three. I'd love to add to that, too, that, you know, one of the things that immediately takes the joy away from eating is nagging your children to eat more, to take another bite, yeah. or, mm-hmm. you know, we call that pressure to eat, pressuring them, pushing them to have more food or to not mm-hmm. eat certain things, mm-hmm. to just always have this nutrition dialogue going on in the house about this is good and this is bad and you should have this or you should try that. When we're constantly talking as parents, constantly talking about food and nutrition, it's a turnoff for a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. Like I don't personally want kids to be consumed with thinking about food all the time. I want them to come to the table and here's a nice variety of food for the meal and I want them to not be hung up on how much they're eating or is this the right food. I want them to enjoy it. And I think that one of the things we make a mistake as parents is this desperate desire to have our kids be healthy eaters. And we think that to make that happen, we have to just nag them and pressure them and remind them and educate them all the time. And it can really kill the joy. Mm. That's so true. And one of the things, have you guys seen like a lot of, I'm going to, pinpoint but I've seen it a lot with Latina families Mm -hmm. where they'll just spoon feed toddler they're like four and they're still spoon feeding them to finish the meal and the Mm -hmm. plate I mean and you're like really I don't know if if you're the only one that's seen this but I think I I don't know I remember when I was a kid I, I used to get the same thing over and over that my dad would say eat it there are all these kids in Africa that don't have something right. to eat and I was yeah, I, I like was guilt, guilt producing to eat yes. eat it all mm-hmm. <laughs> well but yeah Jill has a great point yeah. we're, we're pushing and shoving and it's, it can be counterproductive yeah yeah alright mm-hmm. well great information let's go into our last skit this one is gonna hit on what Jill already mentioned this is called Down to Dinner hey Ben can you let the kids know that dinner's ready Harrison Kareen Dinner's ready. I meant to go get them, not yell. Oh. All right, kids. Let's sit down. I'm watching the game upstairs, Mom. Yeah, and I'm FaceTiming with Veronica right now. Well, you can put both on pause for 45 minutes while we sit down to eat. But it's the Veronica's playoffs. trying to decide prom dresses. It can wait. But, but what, did you read an article or something today? No, I read it yesterday. And it was about how eating together as a family helps you in school and health and in life. Listen to your mother, guys. Now sit down and eat. My day was fine. Okay. I went to school, and I came home. I did the same thing. The teacher brought her dog into school today. Can I take my plate upstairs? Your whole day in two sentences? Come on, you can do better than that. What kind of dog? A white one. A tiny one. His name was Seabass. Oh, yeah, I remember when Mrs. Lotz used to bring in Seabass. What kind of a name is Seabass? It's short for Sebastian. So, what did you kids learn in school today? Nothing? I don't know. I didn't think I'd have to give a report on it. Well, you will from now on. Oh. Anyone else want a soda? No soda at the dinner table. Listen to your mother. What? Why? Because the point of eating together is to keep from eating all that fake crapola. So what are we supposed to have? Water or milk? Listen to your mother. Ben, can you put down the paper? We are all sitting. So, why don't you guys ask your father about his day? 
How was your day, father? Well, daughter, um, today there was actually a problem with the conveyor belt, and no one could figure out Wait why... Wait a second. Dad, what do you do? You see, this is why we eat together. Wait, what do you think I do? I assumed you're like a briefcase salesman or something. Is that because I carry a briefcase? What does that make me, a purse salesman? You do have a lot of purses, Mom. All right, hey, fork salesman, can you pass the fork? <laughs> knife sales associate, can I have a knife? <laughs> ay, 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 okay. <laughs> that was cute. That was cute, but you know what? Cute. I think we were able to see something that happens to a lot of families. Doctor, I know I've seen it in my family. I have three kids, and I asked them, so how was your day? But if you're not used to having that dynamic, you're going to get the response that we just heard. Yeah. Where they're like, yeah, there was a dog. Bye. Oh, it was good. Uh-huh, fine. No, I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. uh. How can we start getting that awkwardness out of the table and just helping each other to get more comfortable and talking about getting together as a family and, and having that dialogue that doesn't feel awkward? Like every new mm-hmm. habit that you establish, you do small steps. So if you haven't had an opportunity to dialogue and nobody's used to talking for an hour, you start with five minutes. And then 10 minutes and, you know, you don't have these expectations, perhaps, of having this deep, intimate conversation all of a sudden when you open it up. So do have expectations that perhaps it'll take some habituating and getting used to until people start getting more comfortable. There's questions and ideas. I know in our app we've posted them that parents can uh, use that open up conversations a little Mm -hmm. bit more. Things like instead of just saying, how was your day, which, you know, you're going to get the usual I'm fine or Uh what was a high, what was a low. And then you as a parent share, and then that starts opening up a conversation. What was a funny joke that a classmate made? Things like that. What's the gossip going around in school? Oh, so, goodness. <laughs> you know, it just what are other kids saying about, you know, what happened in the news? So you, you can start getting a little bit more of an opportunity for questions or more open-ended than your usual, how was your day? It was your day it requires only an answer, which is fine. And maybe, you know, you're not going to get much. Diving a little bit more into their own world. I love mm-hmm. it. Thank you for that. And on this side, Jill. Well, as far as nutrition goes, what benefits can cooking together as a family have? What effect can it have on the family? It can be a very cohesive, you know, bringing the family together activity. But honestly, it teaches your kids how to cook. Mm. Well, yeah. They don't know how to cook. <laughs> I was just about <laughs> I mean, to add kids that part They're going to college and they don't know how to make a scrambled egg. Yeah. Um, we, the only way our kids learn how to cook is by doing. And mm. if you look at some of the great child developmentalists, over time, like Piaget, kids learn best when their hands are doing the work. Mm -hmm. And so that hands-on learning is really such a great opportunity, particularly in the kitchen, Mm -hmm. for children not to only learn how to cook, but to learn about food and to smell it, to feel it, to taste it. It's such a great, rich learning experience for kids to be in the kitchen Mm -hmm. and to experiment with recipes, to Mm -hmm. experiment with baking, with supervision, of course. But you can get kids in the kitchen at such a young age. A two-year-old can sit on the counter with the bowl in the middle Mm -hmm. of their legs and a spoon and stir. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Older children can peel and cut vegetables. My son loves to cook, and he's been cooking since he was two or three years old with those 
baby steps of uh-huh. cracking eggs and stirring. Mm-hmm. And now he can throw a steak in a pan and cook it on top of the stove. And it's just been years and years and years of yeah. opportunities for him to learn these things. And again, I think cooking is a life skill. If mm-hmm. you don't know how to cook, and I know many parents mm-hmm. struggle with cooking, they don't love to do it, or they don't feel like they understand or know how to do it. When you look back and think about if you are that parent, you look back and think, why don't I know how to cook? A lot of times it does go back to the fact that they didn't have any experience yeah. Yeah. or opportunity. And it's it's on us as parents to take the time and teach them. And sometimes, like we said, we're busy and we don't want to sit down and be patient because they might make a mess. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're, I don't want a mess. But hey, <laughs> let's, let's make you're a mess. They're going to the, learn. Yeah. The future spouse of your children a favor when they learn to put away their dishes and wash them, mm-hmm. when they wash learn how to cook them. so they can contribute to the household. There's nothing like an organized individual. So. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. Well, yeah, and I, when I, you're I, cooking, part of that lesson is cleaning up, too, and learning how to do dishes and mm-hmm. putting things away, just like yeah. you mentioned. It's part of the whole process. Yeah, just just before we wrap up here, I just wanted to ask something real quick. Uh, the, the whole uh, cooking thing together, that's something that my daughter and I practice. We have this tradition that every time I go pick her up and she hangs out with me, we go on YouTube and we look for a recipe and then we learn how to cook it and then we nice. cook it together. So that's helped us not only develop cooking skills, but also bond a lot closer together yeah. since she doesn't live with me. So... Yeah, great Love stuff. That. So, mm-hmm. gracias. Thank you both for tips and advice. Jill, where can we find you and connect via social media or any other way? Yeah, so my website is jillcastle.com, and I have a blog and podcast called The Nourished Child. And my handle on social media is P-D-R-D, P-E-D-I-R-D, so that stands for pediatric dietitian. Thank you so much for all, for the tips. Visit the website. And also, we want to encourage you to download the app through iTunes and stay on top of more parenting hot topics. That's right. Find additional resources on the Family Bridges app. It's very resourceful. For mm-hmm. sure. You can also find us on social media with the hashtag The Struggle Is Real or hashtag TSIR. So that's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. I am Omar Ramos. And I'm Veronica Avila. Till next, next time. This was The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. For more ideas on parenting, get your copy of The Struggle is Real by Drs. Paul Meyer and Alicia Laos on FamilyBridgesUSA.com.